Good morning. I hope you all had a, a great celebration of July 4th. I think it was a quote by John Quincy Adams that I heard or read this week. He talked about the true great feast of our nation, Christmas, and the 4th of July. And his point was they both talk about freedom and, and, and uh, where one ultimately derives from the other. And we live in a world that is increasingly attacking our freedoms. And so we ought to make, take very good note of that day of independence um, and indeed um, be most exuberant in our celebration, uh, in our celebration of it and obviously uh, continue celebrating it. Um, amen. Well, listen, I just want to encourage you, um, be t uh, taking time to look at the various way we communicate with you, the Facebook, uh, the newsletters, the emails, the, the, um, the, the uh, e-letter that we send out. Um, so just so some things are opening, some things are not. Some of the circles are going in July, some of them are not. I know the children's ministry is doing things a couple days a week going through throughout July. So uh, you'll, you'll see reports on those, certainly the, the youth. And we are looking at Sunday school this fall, um, linking it very much, we hope, to the open of, uh, of the, the school, um, you know, that uh, starting up again in the fall. And there's even, an, uh, we're kind of looking out for some teachers that can help with teaching the children. So I do encourage you uh, to, to keep a lookout on those things. One of the, the most encouraging things that I heard in the past week was that a really, really large church that's, that's somewhat similar to this church only had 75 people in one of their worship services. And I never, I'm not rooting for any church to fail. It just made me feel like it was okay that our services have been small, right? Like there's a sense that like we're all kind of going through the same thing and that Lakeside's wheels just aren't falling off. There is a sense in which some days um, everyone's got their own issues they're processing. There are people who don't want to be here. Let me, stop, let me go back. I think everyone wants to be here. There are some people who are not here today because they just can't wear masks because they can't catch their breath. And there are people who are not here because their infection rates are so high that they're just very concerned about that. And, and, and to both of those people who are home watching, we get it. We love you. We miss you. We know this will come and go and pass. And, and to those of us who are here, I'm really just pleased that we can be together and, and continue to be the church gathered. Um, you're at the right place at the right time to hear the gospel proclaimed. Let me tell you a story. Yesterday was the 4th of July. Uh, last week, I got a chance to sit with a friend of mine who was an immigrant to this country uh, from England. Uh, he uh, was telling me how thankful he was that this country uh, brought him in and gave him such opportunities. Uh, my friend died yesterday uh, on the 4th of July. His name was Greg Evans, and I love him very much. He was an elder of this church. And um, so if you did not know that, um, we all grieve the loss of our friend Greg, um, an immigrant to this country who died on the 4th of July uh, what an amazing man. Uh, and so we'll be announcing uh, news about his memorial service in, uh, in the days and hours to come. We don't know much about it yet. I imagine it'll be this week. Uh, that being said, it's time to worship our Lord. Today is the Sabbath, and it is appropriate that we worship our Lord. I want to call us to worship uh, through uh, the Apostles' Creed. It is one of the oldest creeds of the church, and we use it to profess our faith. And so if you're able, I want to invite you to stand as we say the creed together. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please have a seat as we enjoy the ministry of music. Crown him with many crowns, the Lamb upon his throne. How the heavenly anthems drown all music but its own. Awake, my soul, and sing of him who died for thee, and hail him as thy matchless king. 
Remember when we um, uh, ask the Lord to bless our, our offering that uh, we don't want to be passing the plate. This has been our tradition, but we have the receptacles in the back behind the, the last pews and then there are plates on, on the side over here. The psalmist says, he says, as for me, uh, this is God speaking, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, in you we live and move and have our being. You made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. And you have fixed a day in which you will judge the world in righteousness through one man, the Lord Jesus Christ, the only mediator between man and God. Lord, we have much for which to be thankful in the celebration of our national founding. We do this in a time of hard and painful upheaval that threatens the very fruit of your grace to this people. Truths that were once overwhelmingly self-evident are being extinguished. We have exchanged the truth for the lie. Our sins have found us out. Our idols are cruel taskmasters. Lord, we ask that in darkness your light to shine. Give in your mercy the only answer that heals, the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus, the Savior of men, sinless, crucified, buried, raised, ascended, and sitting at the right hand of the majesty on high. Lord, bless this nation. Let its latter days be greater than its former. Let your righteousness that exalts a people be established from shore to shore. Let the people of Christ be multiplied as the stars fill the sky. The spirit of Christ be the aroma of life in all places, and the glory of Christ be a testimony to the nations. Father, now set aside our giving as worship made acceptable by the grace of Jesus. Use our tithes and offerings as instruments of the gospel of Christ. We ask this as we do all things in the name of Jesus, he who is to inherit the nations, praying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Worthy of 
You know, masks have changed so much of, of our lives and the way we interact. Used to, I took mints for other people. Now I take them for myself. And I just get a little breath mint so that it's almost like an air conditioner for my mouth. And get a little, little mint in there. It's better than coffee. Um, the, the other thing that's really troublesome is, uh, is when you try to preach to a group of people who are all wearing masks. It's really hard to gauge whether you're like in the pocket, you're in the zone, and people are like tracking with you. Uh, I think we're going to start just putting uh, Sharpies out in the pews, and you can just kind of put it yourself like a joker smile or a frown if you disagree with what I say. Uh, anyway, you may have to be a little bit more vocal uh, for me today to kind of let me know you're with me. Um, anybody else uh, struggle with this kind of concept of, of, of bored and, and kind of just, just kind of being bored lately, the sense of... Um, well, well, first off, for me, it's that there's no sports on, right? I mean, there's no, no baseball, no basketball, no football. We don't know what's coming. Hopefully, we get a little sports, but there's no sports. And they're not making any new content. So there's, there's no new TV shows in development. We've missed a summer movie kind of season. There's, there's been nothing there for us. And uh, what I'm convinced of is that Netflix... The, the shows in which they, they told, like last year, they said, no, go away. You're a horrible show. You're a horrible show. We've got no place for you. They started going, hey, what are you doing right now? You know, we, kinda, we could use you. And so they started putting on these shows on Netflix. They're just awful. Uh, one of them that I saw last night was like Redneck uh, Survival or something like that. I was like, what in the world? And, but I've been watching this show recently. It, it's called Alone. And here's the premise of Alone. Basically, they drop you off by helicopter in the Canadian wilderness, and you're all by yourself, just you and your and yourself, and it's and it's about two weeks before the Arctic freeze, and that you've got no food, and uh, you've got no shelter, you've got a very limited set of tools, and you have a you have like a radio that you can call for help if you've uh, wounded yourself. Uh, there, that's one episode, a guy breaks his leg, and he calls in and says, "I'm out of the game," or or if you're just kind of emotionally broken down, you can call and say. I'm done. Come get me. And the last person to survive the longest in the wilderness alone is the winner of the game. They get half a million dollars. And so I've been watching this a little bit. And what I've been struck by is uh, the way that people think about their time. Now, the show is about survival, but what I've noticed is that survival is a lot about the way they use their time. In their minds, the clock is ticking all the time. Uh, They ask themselves questions like, how long before the snow comes? How long before the nightfall? How long before I need to eat something? Or how many hours do I need to sleep tonight to make up for the fact that I haven't eaten? How long is it going to take me to set up traps to catch animals? Uh, and, and they have to answer questions for themselves like, is it better to spend today working on shelter so that I have a, a dry and warm place to sleep tonight? Or is it better to spend my time hunting or catching fish so that I have a full belly? Because really, they need both, but they only have time to do one of the other. The show, like I say, is about survival, but, but most of their survival is, is dealt with how they use their time. And I'm glad that that isn't a reality for you, or, you and I. Like, we, we have so many creature comforts that we're not trying to use our time just to survive. But in some way, we are faced with the fact that we, we have about the same amount of time in a given day as these contestants have. And we're all trying to figure out how we're going to accomplish all of our tasks in a given day. Every one of us is busy. I, I very seldom run into someone who says, oh, I've just got nothing to do anymore. I just sit at home. I've got nothing to do. Most people I know are busy. Even my mother, who retired, found ways to be more busy in retirement than she ever was in her career. She just goes and goes and goes. We have our jobs. We have family responsibilities. Someone's got to clean the, the dishes out of the sink. Someone's got to empty the dishwasher. And if, if your kids are like my kids, it's probably going to be you, right? Very seldom can I con my kids into helping with a lot of the daily chores. Uh, and there was a lot of chores around the house. There's laundry that has to be done. Uh, and if you have children, you have to all of a sudden balance all their activities too. You, have, uh, you have now have baseball and you have dance and you have Boy Scouts and you have cheer. And there's church and then there's youth group. And then people will say things all the time to me like, like I would work out. I'd love to work out and get fit, but who's got the time? So we're struggling, all of us, to kind of balance our time. There's an old English proverb, dates back to 1659, and I think you'll recognize it. It goes something like this. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. You heard this before? All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. In other words, if you spend all your time working 
You get bored. You kind of become a boring person because there's this element that's missing from your life of rest and play. And there's actually a second half to this proverb that came a little bit later. It came back in 1825, and I'm, I'm convinced that it was a parent of a, of a kid who wouldn't get off the couch, and they needed a second half to this proverb, so they, they, they made it go like this. It says this, All play and no work makes Jack a mere toy. It suggests just the opposite. It's just this idea that if all we do is rest and play, what are we doing with our lives? We're just kind of a toy. We're, we're wasting our lives. And what these two proverbs together are hinting at is that most of the people in our world are looking for a life of balance, some work, some rest. Part of the modern d- dilemma is figuring out how to best use our time and how to, how to have some time where we work and some time where we rest And have you ever noticed that the best rest that you ever get in your life is right after you've worked hard? There's a sense of like if if you work really hard that night when you go to bed, you have a good night's sleep and it it feels great. Uh, But on the other hand, if all you're doing is if you're lazy, you're just laying around the house all week and you go to to lay down that night, it's nothing different than you've been doing all day. There's the balance is off and there's no real rest there for if you've just been on the couch all day. Uh, But uh, if if you've worked, all of a sudden the weekend becomes satisfying. It's rejuvenating. In the same way, if you work all the time, if you're, if you're working 12-hour days for seven days in a row, your job starts, stops being fulfilling. If you, all you do is work, the job's not fulfilling. It's boring, it's restless, it's unsatisfying. Your balance is off. There is this relationship in our lives between work and rest, and you need them both in your life. And when one is missing, you will automatically feel unbalanced. And the reason is, it's because this is how you were created. And I want to focus on that today as we look at the fourth commandment. Uh, I want to read together the Ten Commandments this morning, and then we're going to spend some time looking at the commandment to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. If you're able to, I'll invite you now to stand as we read the Word of God found in Exodus 20, 1 through 17. We're going to read the entirety of the Ten Commandments as we have in the previous three weeks. And then once we do that, we'll stop and we'll focus just on the fourth commandment today uh, of honoring the Sabbath. Let's pray before we enter into God's word. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We lay our lives down before your word. We spend the Sabbath day being still before you, seeking the rest that comes through Jesus. Minister to us by your words. Bring conviction where you need it. Bring grace where we need it. We bring this to you in Jesus' name, and all the church said, Amen. Hear now the word of God. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Church, the grass may wither and the flowers may fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever, and this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. 
The fourth commandment begins with an interesting word, the word remember. It starts, remember the Sabbath. Nowhere else in all of the Ten Commandments do we find the word remember. Uh, We are asked to, to remember to not worship idols, and we're not asked to remember to honor your father and mother. But God tells us people to remember the Sabbath. I think it's an interesting question to ask. Why do you think God would, would do that? What's the tactic there? Why, why is he uniquely worried about the, uh, the followers, his people Israel, forgetting about the Sabbath? You know, sometimes my wife uh, reminds me to do things. And I think if we're honest, I would say often my wife reminds me to do things. It's kind of the way that our family works is I forget things. She reminds me of things. And she has a unique way of you know, saying, hey, listen, don't forget to pick up your dry cleaning. Don't, don't forget to pick up the kids at school or whatever that she needs me to do. And she uniquely reminds me of, to do the things that she feels that I'm going to forget to do. She, she, she uniquely reminds me to do the things that she thinks are going to fall out of my memory. And I think the same could be applied here. I think that, that God is, is very much worried about his people forgetting the Sabbath. God knew it would be the nature of his people to forget to keep the Sabbath holy. God knew that, that we, that you would be busy uh, getting distracted and getting caught up in building shelters and building wealth and playing games and taking vacations and sleeping in. And that the Sabbath day would basically just fall off your radar. And then eventually that day would just look like every other day because you'd forgotten to keep it holy. As we begin to kind of take a look at the Sabbath, let's go back to the very base level of understanding the Sabbath so we all kind of have a place to begin at. We're going to ask a series of very basic questions as we progress through this idea of the Sabbath. The first question is, what is the Sabbath? The most basic question you could ask. Uh, Well, when God created the heavens and the earth, he did so in six days. On the seventh day, God rested. Uh, Here's what Genesis 2, 1 through 3 says. We'll follow along here. Uh, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. You ever heard that language before? That he actually blessed the Sabbath and he made it holy? Because on it God rested from all of his work that he had done in creation. So here's what we learn in Genesis 2 regards to the Sabbath. That God worked for six days, which we talk about uh, uh, the kind of work ethic that, uh, that some people have had in Christianity. And it, it comes, maybe, you know, it's this Puritan work ethic. This idea that, that part of this commandment is still to have to work. And there are some people who don't want to work. But if you, if you look here at the commandment, there's part of this that says the believer works. Just like God did. Just in, in, in the image of God, he works. And then he rests. And on the seventh day, that's what the Sabbath is. It's a time for resting after our labor. Uh, scripture says that we made a point to look at this, that, that God actually blesses the Sabbath. And it's, what's funny is, I, I don't think I'd really paid attention to that before, uh, but this is the first time the blessing of God is ever mentioned in all of Scripture. The first thing that God blesses is the Sabbath, and, and he, he calls it holy. In other words, God's saying, I'm setting apart the Sabbath from common uses. It's holy. It's, it's above everything else. When God talks about having a holy name, he says that name is set apart from common use. When he talks about the Sabbath being holy, th- that day is set apart from common use. So the Sabbath is a day of rest that God has set apart for his people to keep holy. Uh, this is what Deuteronomy 5.15 says. Read with me. We'll put it back up here. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Now God here is talking to the Israelites, of course. And he's kind of giving them a context. He's saying on the Sabbath, one of the things for you to keep in mind is, is to remember that you were a slave in Egypt. And for us that are Christians, we were probably never slaves in Egypt. But we were slaves to sin, so there's kind of crossover here, the things that we remember on the Sabbath day. Let's keep on reading. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Okay, so this is the context which we get this commandment, the fourth commandment. The Israelites were slaves who were forced to work day and night in Egypt. They were slaves who worked 365 days a year, uh, seven days a week, probably 15 hours a day. Their life was work, and an act of great grace, God delivers Israel, and he says to them, uh, when you keep the Sabbath, 
Remember that you were once slaves and I brought you out of it. Part of this rest is a great generosity of God from a people who knew no rest. Now let's talk about um, a little bit more about the Sabbath. Now you're going to have to do some math in order to keep up with me here. It's not hard math. It's easy math. And you should be able to do it, most of, most of you who are awake. Now here's the deal. Now the, the Jewish tradition was that the first day of the week was Sunday. Okay, so do the math. That makes the seventh day of the week what day? Saturday, right? And so uh, most of us worship, participate the Sabbath on Sunday. Uh, If you met a Seventh-day Adventist, they actually still consider Saturday to be the Sabbath. Jews still consider Saturday to be the Sabbath. But for most Christians in the New Testament church, we see that the Sabbath is now Sunday. Um, They saw, basically, we understand that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. That's what Jesus says about himself in scriptures. And his disciples in the early church believed that Jesus' resurrection actually reset all of created time. There's a sense in which it was such an earth-shadowing event when he defeated death that, that the Sabbath became the day of his resurrection. And we look to the activity of the early church to see if we see that happening. Have we made that up or do we see that in, in the Acts of the Apostles? Uh, when we read Acts 20 verse 7, what we begin to discover is that the disciples were already in the habit of meeting together on Sunday to share meals and to hear the word preached. So we look for the behavior of the disciples to see, is this something they were doing? Yes, they were already practicing the Sabbath on Sunday. Oftentimes, instead of calling uh, the Sabbath, the new Sabbath, uh, a lot of times Christians will call it the Lord's Day. So instead of calling it Sabbath, now they call it the Lord's Day. And for me, it's fine. You call it whatever you want. You call it the Sabbath, you call it the Lord's Day. Just know this. God would have you remember it and keep it holy. I think the general principle of the Sabbath is easy. Sabbath in your life is about worship and it's about rest. It's about those two things. It's really simple at this level. The Sabbath is about God's worship and it's about your rest. And it's part of God's rhythm for his people. You begin to get this like almost musical, a rhythm. Six days of work, one day of rest. Six days of work, one day of rest. There's a rhythm to it and it's good for your soul. And when you fail to keep the Sabbath... You fall out of rhythm. Now, we live in, a, in America, and, and, and in our day and age, it's kind of we go five days of work, two days of play. Five days of work, two days of play. And sometimes uh, many of us are still looking for rest somehow, even though that rhythm seems to be more generous on our behalf. There are, there are two reasons why we keep the Sabbath holy. Two reasons. On the one hand, it's about honoring God's holiness. It's about giving respect and reverence to God, very much the way we would lift his name up and say it's holy, it's set apart. We want to honor God by keeping uh, the Sabbath as a day in which we do not work and in which we worship. Uh, on one hand, not only do we have worship services on the Sabbath, but, but foregoing work, not working, is actually an act of worship on the Sabbath. So, so not only do you just go to worship service, but not going to work is an act of worship on the Sabbath. Isn't it funny how it takes a commandment to make some people stop and rest? Like, I think that's, that's it's not my issue. Like, I tend, to, I tend to struggle more with laziness and I have to kind of catch myself there. But my wife is kind of a worker, worker, worker. And it, it takes a commandment for her to stop. The second reason that you should keep the Sabbath holy is that you trust that God knows what your soul needs. You may think that you don't need to, to rest and worship and you may, you may be the kind of person who hates to sit still. Or or you hate to not be taking care of business, but it's a matter of lordship. Are you going to submit to God's rhythm or not? Jesus said this in Mark 2, 27. He said, uh, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Any of y'all have heard Jesus say that before, that, that Sabbath was made for men and not men for the Sabbath? You weren't created for the purpose of Sabbathing. However, the Sabbath was created for you. And what Jesus is suggesting is that the the Sabbath is some sort of gift to God's people. It's it's a gift to you. Uh, And and so we ask another question. Okay, if Sabbath is a gift to us, in what way is the Sabbath good for us? Well, it allows you to to stop and reflect. It allows you to commune with your God. It allows you to be restored by the gospel, to slow down, 
to get away from some of the noises of the world and to be physically and spiritually restored. Now, I told you we were going to ask a lot of questions, and we did ask a lot of questions. So far, let's review what we've asked. We said, uh, what is the Sabbath? Uh, what day of the week is the Sabbath? Why keep the Sabbath? Uh, why is the Sabbath good for you? And it was pretty easy to answer all these questions. It r- really, really was. However, the next question that we have to ask about the Sabbath is really difficult. It's a hard question to, an- to answer. And uh, the question is this, how do we keep the Sabbath holy? If I was to phrase it to you, the question was, how do you keep the Sabbath holy? Like, what are you supposed to do in order to, to make sure that you keep the Sabbath holy? This kind of question goes all the way back to whenever uh, God first gave the commandment. For centuries, people have been bickering about what exactly it looks like to keep the Sabbath holy. And, and one of the questions they're asking is, who gets to define work? Right? Like, who gets to define what work is? Because the Sabbath, we were, we're committed not to work, and everyone wants to know, well, what is work? Let's say this. Let's just say you stay home from the office on Sunday. Uh, can you mow the yard? Can you, can you pull weeds in the garden? Uh, can you prepare dinner? Can you do the dishes? Can you go and eat out on the Sabbath? Can you play catch with your son or your father? Can you travel on the Sabbath? Who decides the answers to these questions? Well, in the Jewish world, it was the Pharisees. They were the ones who wanted so badly to answer the question about what was and what wasn't work on the Sabbath. I want to make some observations. Uh, I believe that you should try to stay away from the office on the Sabbath. I think it's good for your spirit if you have the kind of job that allows you uh, to stay away, do it. And uh, most of you do. There are some guys who are workaholics, some girls who are workaholics who, who, uh, who know they, they can, they just don't like to, and they end up uh, breaking the Sabbath. Get your work done in six days. Don't go in on Sunday. That's what God is really uh, asking us to do here in the fourth commandment. That being said, I, I think logically we'll agree that there, there are some people in this world who have to work on Sundays. Uh, If you have a heart attack on Sunday and you go to the hospital, you want to find a doctor working on the Sabbath. I think that that's probably the case. It's, 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 It's almost an act of mercy. It's an act of the common good for the people for doctors to work on the Sabbath. Uh, if you call 911 on the Sabbath, you want someone to answer the phone and show up at your house. It's an act of common good and mercy for the community, for, for uh, first responders to work on the Sabbath. When you come to church on Sunday, you want the preacher to stand up and have something to say. You want him to work on the Sabbath. It's an act of mercy and the common good for preachers, for doctors, for first responders to work on the Sabbath. And there are others that fall into this category. The Pharisees uh, had written volumes of books, if you think about it, dedicated to what was work and what wasn't work and who could work. And they felt that it was up to them to help God police fellow believers. And and they were oftentimes fighting with Jesus about the Sabbath because Jesus' understanding of the Sabbath was very different from the Pharisees. The Pharisees were so worried about accidentally working. There's this idea that they might do something I might pick up their phone, might move their mask, and someone would be like, oh, no, was that work? And, and they were so worried about that that they had to make certain sacrifices to make sure they didn't work. And one of the things that they continually sacrificed, the Pharisees, was mercy. They would sacrifice this kind of common mercy that we've been talking about here in order to make sure that they did not break the Sabbath. Let me give you an example of this. The, the The Pharisees had a scenario for every kind of rule in the world, and sometimes the more ridiculous the scenario... You could be sure it must have happened, and then someone had to write it down. So they had this one rule, and the one rule was about what to do if a stone wall was to fall on top of somebody during the Sabbath. Like, what do you do if someone's walking by a stone wall, and the stone wall collapses on them in the Sabbath? What a strange rule to have, right? And you know that they only have it because it's happened before. And so someone goes, well, we just need to include that in the rules, right? And what they believed was that if someone was to be covered with debris because the stone wall had fallen on them, that the responsible thing for a believer of God to do was to go over and to remove just enough rubble from them to make sure that they were either uh, in a really serious and terminal and needed to be helped now or whether they could come back and help them tomorrow. 
Isn't that crazy? So they'd come up and they'd, they'd, they'd move the, the debris away from you and they'd say, uh, Tyson, are you okay? I'd say, I think my leg's broke. And they'd go, but you think you're going to live, right? And I'd go, yeah, can you get me out? they go, we'll be back tomorrow. That's crazy. I mean, imagine if you called 911 and you're like, listen, hey guys, I, I need help. I've broken my back. And, and the person on the other end of the line says, listen, out of a love for God and, and a remembrance of, of his redemption, which we celebrate in the Sabbath, we're going to wait till tomorrow until we help you. Doesn't that seem just crazy? And I, so I want to mark this as an extreme example of misunderstanding the Sabbath. When you worry so much about avoiding work that you simply miss out on the ministry of God, you know, Jesus was always healing people on the Sabbath. That's what he was about. He was always about showing mercy, and the Pharisees were always condemning him for it. And there have always been, and there will always be, people who are out there trying to police the Sabbath. So there's probably seven or eight of us in here, in this room, who kind of fall into that, sometimes I try to police people on the Sabbath role. And, and so this is a, a message for you, stop being a Pharisee. You worry about the way you keep the Sabbath holy. You worry about uh, loving and mercy of other people. But listen, don't worry about what everyone else is doing on the Sabbath. Seven or eight people need to hear that. But for the rest of us, and we're going to be real honest, for the rest of us, that's really not what we need to hear. Uh, that's not your struggle, and that's not my struggle. Most of us aren't sitting here going, you know what my struggle is? I just I care so much about the Sabbath that I just am mean to other people when I tell them what they shouldn't be doing. Not many of us here have that issue. Our struggle, rather, is legalism. Or, excuse me, is, um, is not legalism. It is one of greed and disobedience, right? I mean, that's the deal. Most of our struggle with the Sabbath is one of greed and disobedience. It's one of bowing down to social pressures and forgetting the very thing that God told you to remember. What did God tell you to remember? He told you to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. My guess is that your struggle is like mine, that you simply some days treat the Sabbath like any other day that the Sabbath becomes for you like a second Saturday. That's, that's what the world does, right? The Sabbath, like Sunday's just a second Saturday. It's a day to, to, to sleep in and, and to go to Walmart and to get around the grill and maybe go to the pool. And there's a sense of relaxation to that. Like, like you go, oh, man, we had a great day. I feel so relaxed. And maybe it, it, at some point it feels like the Sabbath rest that you need. But the truth is that playing at the pool and watching TV with the family hanging out at the ballpark, none of this could replace the true Sabbath rest that comes from Jesus. Many of us, I've actually been Christians, many of us have, have settled for a fake Sabbath rest. It's, it's phony. And here's what I mean. You're, you're tired from work. You're exhausted from the world and, and you long to find rest. And so you spend the Sabbath on the couch. You spend the Sabbath on the boat. You spend the Sabbath... At the beach, you're looking to reclaim that rhythm that God has given you. And you, you simply can't figure out why your soul is never satisfied in that rest and that play. And it, it's because it's not real Sabbath. True Sabbath rest, the kind of rest that restores our souls, only comes in Jesus. Let me say that again. True Sabbath rest that restores your soul only comes in Jesus. So if you're tired or you're weary from your work, if you're exhausted from listening to the barking hordes of this world, there's only one place to find true Sabbath rest. That's in the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus Christ. Now, the way you get balance in your life, the way you find rest for your soul is to slow down and for you to commune with Christ on the Sabbath day, for you to read his word and rest for you to sing his praise and rest and in a godly way hold your family and rest. Listen, some of you may not have ever known the rest that comes from Jesus. Some of you may have never experienced that. You may be exhausted. And Christ would say to you, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you long for this rest in Jesus, you can find it. Uh, by placing your trust in Jesus, by confessing your sins, and by trusting him as the Lord of your life. Let me just say this to wrap up. I'm not going to tell you that you can or cannot go to Walmart on the Sabbath. 
or that you could go out to eat as a family or not, each man's conscience is, uh, is basically uh, his judge when it comes to the Sabbath. But I can say to you this, that a day without Jesus will not bring you Sabbath rest. This is the fourth commandment. It goes like this. Honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God, and on it you shall not do any work. So let us rest in Jesus the Sabbath day. I pray that, that this for you has been a rest, that as you hear this next song that we sing, uh, you will be reminded that Jesus paid it all, that, that, that he is your Sabbath rest. And now let's go to Jesus in prayer. Let's pray that he would convict us of places we break the Sabbath and he would give us the strength and the courage to, to, to push against our culture who tells us that we don't have to honor the Sabbath and that he is our great Sabbath. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for this cycle that you've put into our lives that shows us how to rest and how to work and how to worship and how to be restored. God, you gave the Sabbath as an, as an ultimate place for the people of Israel to be restored, and and you've given that to your church as well. And ultimately, we see our great Sabbath in the forgiveness of Jesus, in his work on the cross, Lord. So we do thank you today for the Sabbath day. God, convict us where we don't keep it holy. May our hope always be found in Jesus. And the church said, amen. Let's let's hear, let's worship. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small, child of weakness, watch and pray, find in me thine all in all, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, sin hath left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Lord, now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change a leper's spots and melt this harvest stone. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. For nothing good have I, whereby thy grace to claim. I'll wash my garments white in the blood of Calvary's lamb. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Hope that today serves as a general overview for you and the Sabbath, that you understand why it is that we worship God on the Sabbath, why it is that God gave that commandment to the Israelites Hope that you understand um, why it is uh, when we, we kind of have these two reasons that we, we think about the Sabbath. We, we, we worship the Sabbath because God needs to be honored and we set it apart. But we also worship on the Sabbath because there is a part of that that we realize is good for our soul. It's that, it's that rhythm we've all been seeking and not been able to find. Trying to balance work and rest. You know that not working on the Sabbath is actually worship? It's interesting. Uh, let no one try to police anyone else on the Sabbath, each man to his own conscience. But know this, the general thought is that God has called you uh, on the Sabbath for a day of rest and worship. I believe that that is where your, your soul finds true rest in the one Jesus Christ who is the Lord of the Sabbath. Go now and take with you the love of God, the grace of Christ Jesus' Son, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Let's receive the music or the ministry of music one more time. And when before the throne I stand in Him complete, Jesus died my soul to save, my lips shall still repeat, Jesus.
Lakeside, it was fantastic to worship with you today. Until next time, God bless.